Hello and welcome to episode 40 of Shoulder to Shoulder LAFC Podcast. I'm your host Chris with my co-host Christian, bringing you stories from the LAFC community match by match, fan by fan, story by story. Unfortunately, our uh, third leg of this uh, podcast is uh, Jonathan and he is uh, nursing a uh, thrown out back. He threw out his back, yeah, at work. Hey man, get better. Yeah. Stop lifting those heavy cases of uh, wine. Wine, liquor, beer. (laughs) Have your uh, lower-level employees pick those up, man. Yeah, the minions. You're not as young as you once were. (laughs) So we're going to come here with a a quick episode. I guess it's almost like a quick on the counter. Yeah. And uh, we're going to be talking about the game against Minnesota United FC that we had this previous Sunday. LAFC had a tie, a 1-1 tie in that game. And uh, and then we're going to talk briefly about uh, the upcoming game, Decision Day. October sixth at the bank, one o'clock game, one thirty game. I think it's it, it's one. an earlier game though. So this it's I want to say it's one or one thirty. Yeah, you're right about that. But it, but it is this upcoming Sunday, and there are a lot of potential records to be broken on Sunday. So uh, you know that's definitely a game to not miss if you are available to go on Sunday. And uh, yeah, but uh, what do you think of the game, Christian? I really enjoyed it. I mean, the game is at one p.m. The whole entire league is That's playing right. at 1 p.m. That's the cool thing, too, is yeah. that, you know, every game is being, every team is playing at the exact same time. So that way all decisions are made in the, uh, at around the same time, which is cool. Right. So this, this past weekend, I think the Eastern Conference played at 1.30 or 1 p.m. Eastern. And then the rest of the league played at 4. Is that, how they, is that how they did that? Yeah. So the games were f- all the Eastern Conference Pacific, I guess we should we should talk is four or four thirty for the Eastern Conference games, and then all the Western Conference games were simultaneously at seven thirty. Wow. Yeah. So I think the last two games, the league is trying to not have teams watching the rest of the team to see where they spot and you know uh, rest players or trying to get them a, a, as as an advantage. True, yeah, right, as true of a, of a lineup as possible. So it's happening for the entire league this weekend. But in terms of the game, I had to rewatch it. It was my dad's birthday, and not the entire family is into LAFC. So, but the entire family's into soccer. They are, uh, they are. But you know, it's kind of his day, as opposed to you know when when, when the grandpa, the entire family went. My dad liked playing on his birthday, so mm-hmm. I went and played with him on his team. I actually, scored a goal. Oh, nice! Um, and then they were trying to get me to play this upcoming Sunday, and then I told them I can't because I'm going to the decision day game at the bank yeah and they were all kind of upset uh, about that but i might go play in the future very cool seasons but yeah that was cool so i got to watch it later the evening and i did watch the highlights right after anyway so what i thought about the game is i thought lafc you know executed the game plan with the exception of goals right i think they dominated possession for the most part they were more threatening they had moments i think where defensively they didn't necessarily mark well, specifically in that goal they gave up on a set piece, Mm -hmm. which at times can be one of our weaknesses. And I think especially with Zimmerman not being in and his height and power not being there to kind of challenge on some of these set pieces, I think that was one place where we missed them. And I know we'll have them in the last game of the season and um, in the playoffs. And I know that we'll talk about this and you having a part and insights, but I know that because of some of the things that you were able to to capture by being there at the game and in the press box and in the post game, Bob talking about rotating players, not only because three games in nine days, three games of nine days, but also, you know, some other players are pushing to get their opportunities too. 
it's good to see them. So I think despite the changes, the team was putting their ideas, attacking the way they wanted to. That Chiqui Palacios did a good job. Yeah, I thought um, he did great in his debut. I did, I did too. And I was a little scared, you know, at the close of the half when he kind of seemed like to have picked up a knock and he came off and we mm-hmm. played with 10 men in the last couple minutes in stoppage. Right. But I'm glad he almost played the full 90. So that's encouraging, especially at 19. You know, the moment wasn't too big for him. I, I think the midfield did well. A new variation of the three, which I thought a little more balanced. Then uh, last game, I, I credit to win on doing that. And I think playing Vela back on the right was good. I think he found a level of comfort and switching that up in the last few games for him, even though he can be effective and efficient. I think with Brian Rodriguez being there more consistently, or they're still rotated amongst each other, but with Vela picking up the ball more on that right side, I think he he knows that he he has the defenders guessing more when he's threatening from that that side of the pitch versus going down the, down the middle. Yeah, of course, because it's, you know, that gives way to his his left foot right. and that's, you know, deadly. So. Right. But yeah, I, I mean, what did you think? I, I mean, I this was me watching it on TV after, you know, not at a watch party. Yeah. No, I mean, you know what? It was so this was my first away day that I'd ever been a part of besides the games in Carson. Right. So it was fun. I, f- I went to the Notre Dame game on Saturday. So then I woke up Sunday morning in South Bend and I t- took a flight from South Bend Airport into Minnesota. So I landed at like 730 and then I took an Uber to the hotel and I ended up staying at the same hotel that the players and the staff in the front office were at, which was crazy cool. Um, you know, I definitely got an opportunity to talk with more people from the front office and, you know, got to know them better. I feel like they got to know me a little bit better. And so that's just all about building the relationships with the club and, you know, trying to just make sure that, you know, more people know who we are, you know, yeah. as as this podcast and trying to understand our message and our mentality. And I think that it was definitely it was definitely a lot of fun. You know, shout out to all the people in the front office that I hung out with uh, over the weekend, Marcus and Robbie and Alfonso. It's obviously Diego. Thank you very much, Diego, for helping me get into the press box. And there was Devo and LT and I'm forgetting people. I know I'm forgetting people, but I mean, it was just, it was awesome. It was such a fun, fun weekend. And um, the nice thing about being there in the press box was that, you know, you had your whole setup. I had my laptop up. I was looking at players' performance, players, their stats and things like that. Like I prepared questions, you know, because you know. Okay, you're going to get Bob, but you weren't sure who else. So, like, I had prepared questions about Pablo and his last start against Minnesota because that was his actual last start was at the uh, against Minnesota. And it's like, hey, was it just coincidence or was it something about, you know, uh, just the time in rotation or what have you? But it's just, it was nice to have that available laptop open and then being able to, like, send out things during social media during the game. And it wasn't like – I don't feel like I missed – action as much as if I was in my seats, you know, like if I'm looking for information and stuff like that, it's just a lot easier to have it on the laptop. So that was definitely nice. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, but the, the stadium was very nice. You know, it was, I mean, obviously state of the art, it was a beautiful stadium. Yeah. That's what, Uh, that's what I wanted to ask you about. Like this describe the feeling there. The stadium was definitely very nice. The, uh, architecture on the stadium was great. I thought that it was um, very well placed. I very much had a Bank of California feel to it because of just how there was the main concourse with all the different types of food. You know, they actually have 
one section. So where on the north side of the stadium where our 3252 would be, they have this thing called the, the beer hall, right. which is just a place for you to go in and, and get drinks. And it's like a big open auditorium almost. Um, is that behind the Wonder Wall? No, that's on the opposite, opposite side. side of the Wonder Wall? Yeah, the Wonder Wall is on the south side of the Got stadium. It. The Wonder Wall was definitely uniquely set up. I felt like it was more up as opposed to how, like, it was higher up more so than the 3252 stands are. I feel like... More vertical? Like, yeah, more it, angled? it looked more... It just it, it just looked that way. It may yeah. not be, but that's the that was the look that it had to it. But it, they definitely... The Wonderwall definitely doesn't... They pale in comparison to the 3252. Like, I was... Before the game, we had one door open in the press box, and the press box was on the exact diagonal corner of the 3252. So the Wonder Wall is on the south side. The 3252 was on the northeast corner, and the press box is right there on the southwest corner. So you literally could walk out and look down over the rail and see the Wonder Wall uh, from the press box, whereas the 3252 were on the other side. So we had one door open, and I could hear the 3252 doing their chance and like the wonder wall there was a couple people cheering but it wasn't i mean and that was like the pregame and even during the game there were there were moments when it was just like you could just hear our 200 people that traveled with us and sat in the 3252 you could just hear them cheering from the press box and it was like it was just amazing you know it's like you there were definitely times when the wonder wall was loud and they were the dominant ones but it's just still to be able to have that kind of presence and Right. That but was just imagine the comparison: two hundred versus an entire Wonder Wall. Right, yeah. and I, I think their Wonder, I think the Wonder Wall is like two thousand people, or Got it. 2,100 people, something like that. But it was cool. I mean, the people from Minnesota were very nice. I got to say, the most fun that I had though was we all met up at a, a brewery before the game. This brewery called Surly Brewery, and we did the march. So we all like you know we all there was I think there was probably like a hundred and thirty of us. Because I know there was like seventy five of us in the in the away day WhatsApp uh, chat group, but uh, we all met outside. We started doing a, a drum session, and then we started walking. We walked to the MetroLink, and you guys, if you guys really want to check it out, we have it all of our, on our Instagram pages. I I took um, some videos, videos of of the march over, and you can see it all uh, at LAFCS to us. But we ended up getting on the Metrolink and like we just like flooded in and there's like people on the Metrolink that are general patrons that are going wherever they're going. And all of a sudden we start like doing our chants in the Metrolink and we're jumping and we're cheering and it's just like and you just look around and you're like, man, we are going to get in so much trouble. And then somebody was like, what are they going to do? They're gonna arrest all 150 of us. That's like, right. That's true. And it's, I mean, you guys are only on there temporarily. So right, we were only on there for like four stops or five yeah. stops or whatever. But it was it was that was a world event. It was crazy. Describe the look on these like casual riders' faces. I mean, they're sitting. I mean, they're sitting there. They're all like they're they're like covering their ears and they're trying to like look away and. You know, but eventually one, some of them were just kind of like sitting there and be like, man, how long is this going to take? You know, <laughs> nice. but uh, I think uh, our exit that we had to get off of was this exit called Snelling. And the person next to me was like, this is it. This is Snelling. <laughs> like telling us to get off. <laughs> but so um, it was cool, man. And, you know, on the march to the Metrolink, you know, you could see that because of the amount of noise that we were making, like we were walking through like a it was kind of like a a residential slash industrial, almost like a, a modern day 
arts district where they have like uh, like shops on the bottom and then living spaces up top. Workplace so scenario type Right, thing. exactly. And so you could see from the people, they were out on their balconies and they were looking down and video recording us and stuff like that. And so it's just, it was a very cool experience. You know, I wonder how many of those people knew what we were doing. There were people that were like walking out on the street and they saw us coming and they turned around and went back inside their house like we like we were scaring them or something, like we were some type of mob. But it was... Definitely. That was probably the, the most fun part about from the game outside of me being able to do those post-game interviews. Yeah, I mean, it's the right kind of mob. If, yeah. If, if, if any kind of mob is approaching you, I guess. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I mean, then when we walked up to the stadium, the people at Minnesota, they were very nice. I do know that on Saturday night, the one of the local breweries also hosted us, the Traveling 3252 members, and I, I know that they that we had uh, nothing but compliments of the treatment that we got from the people in Minneapolis. Um, well, I mean, I saw some videos online on uh, Instagram of some of the Minnesota fans like mosh pitting in the concourse um, oh. after the game with the thirty two fifty two. You know what? I wouldn't be surprised, man. Yeah. Like, it, like I know that uh, at halftime I had walked around the the main concourse just because there was a, a part of the stadium that I hadn't gotten to see before the game, and. Um, when I got over to the Wonder Wall, there was like 3,252 people there, like in the Wonder Wall, right. like kind of just hanging out and stuff like that. And I was just like, oh, that's that's cool. You know, like it's I, I don't I don't know. Like, has any do you know, has on any visiting teams, if they ever came to the 3,252 would I don't. That's unlikely. I think I think out of the Midwest teams, like I guess they're the newest and the nicest. Like they're just very cordial yeah. fans or supporters at this point. I don't think there has been moments or incidents on the field between the teams that would warrant uh friction yeah i think that's part of it too um the team is pretty new the stadium's pretty new you know they're gonna potentially be the second seed so they might start hitting some people if whoever knocks them out you know what what's crazy though is like that's one of the teams that we've taken two losses to also you know we had the big five to one loss last year and then we had the 2-0 loss this year i mean you know so it is one of those teams though that seems to have gotten the better of us in the four times that we've played them twice. And so you would think that, but for whatever reason, yeah, there's still not that animosity necessarily between us and them. Well, think about this. The the winning team isn't necessarily the one that's going to be angry anyway. It's usually the team that loses that is upset at the other fans. Well, right. Yeah. So I can guarantee you the 3252 won't necessarily welcome them into yeah, the 3252. That's true. And I, and But I, they don't welcome anybody. I think right. that's kind of just the rule. Right. Um. I mean, yeah, I, I know... The few times that I've ever seen it is, you know, the Galaxy game is when, like, they won't let them go anywhere close to that side of the stadium. They'll make them walk all the way around the south side. Well, that's a more, I think, extreme example. But I do do think that there are other teams, too. Like, I think I saw it on Portland, too, that they didn't let. No, Portland. I'm pretty sure D.C. doesn't. I'm pretty sure San Jose. Oh, yeah, probably San Jose, too. Oh, San Jose had the same kind of situation, like. They blocked off and only let us walk out a certain way after part of the stadium had emptied out. Like mm. it, there was more, I think, standardized supporter logistics put in place. Yeah. For example, we could only be escorted in through one entrance and escorted into our section by the security guard. So yeah. I think that's more typical. Minnesota, you know, well, and is it, different. What was what was really cool too uh, when we finally got to the stadium and we're there and, and then we started another circle drum session 
Um, and it was right by the entrance that the 3252 were going to go in to get to um, their seats. And the security there had pretty much sectioned off two railed areas so that it was just the 3252 that could file into those areas and that that's that would be their two lines in order to get their tickets. Right. So then it, they were segregated from anyone else. It was another way to avoid yeah. any kind of confrontation. But I was just like, oh, that's that's cool. Like I, I – you know, these are all. I don't know if that's happened at other stadiums either, but yeah. it's just the fact that this was my first experience with it. It was just like, oh, that's 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 really cool that they take that kind of stuff into consideration. You know, but it was almost like people were expecting us to show up, so there was a lot of people that were standing out there, like video recording us that were in Minnesota gear. United gear. That's awesome. And it was, you know, because it's like it is. It's one of those things. It's almost like a spectacle now. It's like, hey, when LAFC comes to town, the march is going to be something you want to see if it's not something that right. you've ever seen before. What's a before, during, and after, right? So the supporters give them something to get excited about because of the passion and support we show. And then on the field, the team is going to play a certain brand of attacking style football. And then after the game, the team is going to support and cheer and uh, march, win or lose. Yeah. So, But to speak about the field, though, that is I was going to bring that up. That was the only thing that I have heard was very poor. Yeah, the field condition was poor. I heard they made an announcement, uh, or they talked about it. Uh, the broadcasters did on the television that they were talking about how they were going to change the pitch sometime this week. You know, in anticipation of decision day, they were going to have a, a brand new pitch by decision day. That's crazy. That's that's what I had heard. Um, it did. It did look terrible. I, I mean, it was there was like patches, like square patches all over that yeah. it, you could just tell it. It just. It fell it came up. It, it was poorly it wasn't like solid in the ground and then like there was a, a kick that uh Edward Atuesta had where he like totally lost his footing because you know when he, his plant foot just totally slipped out from under him and he, it's just it yeah. was frustrating I'm sure. There was a lot of the players and uh, like uh, before the game I was down in the field club at the at the stadium and uh Zach the goalkeeper coach was there and he was talking to me and Blake from LAFC Central. And he was saying that, you know, the problem is, is that the people that own these American teams, they spend all this money in the stadium and they the pitch is like a second. It's like an afterthought. Right. You know, and unfortunately, they don't realize that if you have a really good pitch that helps your players play better. And if your players play better, then they're going to come to your stadium and fill it out. Right. You know, but it, they want to have this luxurious atmosphere, but they want to not give a top quality pitch. And it's he's it's like backwards, a right. backwards mentality. Well, I think they're part of the same equation. Like, if you want good product, there also needs to be good tools and good surface for your players to to be able to perform. So, I will say this, and I agree with you that the field stunk. And it, some of the video that you took, some of the um, Spanish reporters asked about it, and Carlos Vela did acknowledge that the field was difficult, but he also said that. Both teams had to deal with it, so it's not an excuse. Um, they still had to finish their chances, and they didn't. But he, he was happy with the team's performance um, and happy with him being able to tie the record, which is another thing we haven't necessarily discussed. Right, we didn't talk about that either. Yeah. He, yeah, so he yeah tied the record, man. For, so he and Joseph Martinez are on top of the uh, single-season points. Goals. Goals. Goals, yeah. Goals record, and then he has 15 assists, so he has a foot in 46 total total goals this season. So, I mean, the MVP to me is locked up for the regular season. He has the opportunity to break it with one goal and hopefully smash it if he can get two or three yeah. um, this weekend. But it's not like it's clear-cut, though. 
You know, it's uh, it's not. No, I, I think Zlatan has twenty nine right now. So and it's you know I think Zlatan's had a couple hat tricks this season. Yeah, so it's not it's not clear cut that he's going to end up with the most goals this season. He still boot. yeah right. He still has to play his game, and if things happen the way they should, I don't think it'll be a problem. I think that Carlos will break the record on Sunday, and I think that LAFC is going to beat Colorado, even though they're on an uptick in terms of performance after they had the head coach change. But I think that LAFC is going to break the record for uh, single season points. And I think that Carlos is going to break the record for goals in a season. And I think it'll be a, a, a great way to cap off our regular season. I'm hopeful and optimistic that all of that will happen. I, I think all the signs are there. The one thing I will say, and you know, to your point that Colorado has been an uptick since Frazier took over, they're not necessarily mathematically out. So right. They have to have Kansas City has to do them a favor. I think that I think it was Kansas City and Portland. And that and yeah. They, I think Kansas City and Portland have to lose. Right. And Colorado has to win by three. No, um, it's San Jose and Portland. Oh, okay. Have to lose, and they have to win. By three. By three. Yeah. Um. So they have an outside chance. So they're going to bring it. Well, and plus two, it's Tim Howard's last regular season game. Right. So, I mean, there's a lot of reasons for them to – and, I mean, wouldn't they like to play – Spoiler. Spoiler for LAFC. It's like, hey, you know, we're – um, we're not going. This is the best team in the MLS right now. Right. We're not going to let you guys break the record. We're not going to let you finish the season at home. We're, there's only been one other team that beats you at yeah. home. I mean, they have a lot of uh, motivation to right. play the best they, game they've played all season. And I think a couple things going back to what you said about Tim Howard, he'd be happy with a shutout, right? Of Especially course. not allowing Bella to get his golden boot one. Oh, yeah. And then I think the fact that um, we've given up a, a few uh, set pieces this year. They have Kai Kamara, who's been balling out. Mm-hmm. Um, and he is a good header of the ball and any set piece, corner kick, or even just in regular play, if there's a cross that comes in, we have to be aware of him. Um, he's kind of like Casper uh, Chevelko, mm-hmm. in where if the ball's in the air, he knows where to be and how to place it on goal. So th- just you know, little things that we have to be aware of. Acosta in the midfield, I think, um, is going to try to give Atuesta uh, a run for his money this upcoming weekend as well. Mm-hmm. So a few things to think about there. I, I wonder if Bob is going to go back to Miller because I think— uh, I don't know. Pablo, Pablo made some amazing saves. saves. He, I mean— <sighs> But he also caused some of those— well, and uh, I, I think counters that, on him on himself because yeah. of distribution, which is—remember, I, I talked about that, that— the pros and cons are, yes, he's a better shot stopper, but sometimes he m- maybe causes a few of those, and Tyler has become a better sweeper keeper yeah. than Cisnega. So I think they both have things to improve on that they can learn from each other, but what yeah, do you I think mean, about I would, that? I would like to see. I mean, I, th- I think that we will, like Carlos said in the interview, we are blessed to have two really good goalkeepers. Yeah. I think that I, I would go with Tyler. But I'm also a fan of Tyler's, sure. you know, like that's that's like a, he's a favorite of mine, you know, and not to say that I don't like Pablo either. I just, you know, I I like Tyler. I think that, you know, to to go definitely with the experience uh, with the club and, and the uh, team chemistry, you know, Tyler's, I don't know. I don't feel like Tyler has let us down in that regard, you know, to where it's like he shouldn't play. Well, they both have a case to be made that they can both start. Um, Tyler's just gotten more opportunities, so he's had more opportunities to not do well either just because he's played more. 
right? Yeah, so, but I I don't know. Um, I I thought that Tyler played very well in the Houston game. He did. You know, he played super well. Although that goal was his fault. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. But apart from that, like the clearances, the distribution, even when he came out and chested it and volleyed it to uh, El Munir, like that stuff is a big progression from last year to this year. And I already thought he was good at it last year. Yeah. Um, but now his composure is better. I just think he needs to be a little more assertive on those crosses and really boss those people or, you know, jump through people. It's not to say that Cisnega does that better. I just think he made some incredible one-on-one saves this upcoming game. Yeah, he's giving Bob some things to think about. Yeah, definitely. And the the three saves that he made in, like, the first 10 minutes of the second half against Minnesota was – I mean, they were great. Yeah. And, and you know, I the, that's exactly – that was the – I was right there in the press box. I was On that closest the to the right of yeah. the window of the press box where I was looking right down at him. And I was, you know, it's just, you were just like, man, those were – incredible saves he's extremely quick yeah but no i would i would if i would could have it my way i would pick tyler would you i probably would like i think i'm going into this this last game with the conventional 11 with miller beta zimmerman segura segura um, would you do harvey harvey yeah i mean because you know i think that i'd give harvey 60 minutes I I mean I would yeah I would I would definitely want to start Harvey because of his leadership and and him being a a veteran on the on in the MLS and on the team but I'm I am definitely glad to know that we have Three we have backs. people that when the day comes that Jordan Harvey decides to to hang him up we're not left with a big yeah. void we've got people that are able to um you know fill in for him and I think that Mo and Cheeky are, are, are great. And it's just, it's one of those things. But yeah, I, I would agree. Yeah, go with Harvey just for the leadership, set the tone. Yeah. Uh, and then the midfield? The midfield, I think it's the the conventional three uh, with K, Atuesta, and Blessing. Mm-hmm. And I think we go Rossi. I want Brian Rodriguez down the middle. And then I want Vela on the right. Um, I think the changes are... Going to be El Munir for Harvey at sixty is what I would do. Mm-hmm. Um, I would if I'm making a forward change. It's got to be Adrian. Uh, no, I th- I think I think he the first choice is going to be be bringing on Win and putting Blessing up. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, that would yeah that would be yeah. and then yeah. But I don't know who I take out because I think Brian Rodriguez. I think it's all going to be. I think it's all going to be based on how they play, what the score is. It's all going to be situational. Right. You know, I think that Brian would probably be the first one to get pulled out based on, you know, just chemistry and, and how yeah. we play, you know, the style of football that Bob wants. Um, but who knows? You know, I mean, if Brian has a killer game where he gets his first goal or his second goal or he has assists on goals or whatever, yeah. he might leave him in. Dude, he, he had an amazing game. He hit the crossbar twice. Like, yeah. You know, I mean, he's he's on it. It's yeah. It's just unfortunately people are like, oh, man, you know. He needs to, you know, start producing. And it's like, I don't know. I think that for coming in midseason, you know, and trying to get the team chemistry on the roll, I think that I'm very happy with the work right that he's put forth. Yeah, he's given us flashes. I I mean, and he he created that goal, essentially. His, His initiative, his desire, his running at Minnesota's defenders caused the miscommunication you know kind of flicked it onto rossi rossi found 
Vela and Vela just put on his left. And, yeah. And I watched that goal a few times. Like, he is incredible at literally that hit, angle hitting the ball <laughs> over the overstretched leg, like literally inches above, but with enough dip and swerve to get around the goalie where it looks like it might go out and there's a chance of it, but it's still in the side netting. It goes over. Even if the goalie dives, he won't get it. Like, it's it's just it's just a technique that, you know, it's hard to teach. Yeah. Um, especially at full speed, game speed, against people that really want to take you down. It's just it's just mind-boggling. that It's almost like, you know, Arjun Robin. Like, you, you know where he's going to cut. Yeah. Uh, you know, you know where he's going to go. Or like Messi or Ronaldo. Like, yeah. he still can't stop it. So, I'm excited to see how the standings are going to look at the end of Sunday. Because I think places two through seven are all still... Yeah, in flux. In flux. Yeah. So nothing is 100% set in stone other than the fact that it's LAFC and uh, NYCFC are on top. Right. Which, by the way, can you imagine if for whatever reason, right, LAFC doesn't make it and doesn't make it all the way to the MLS Cup and NYCFC does? Having the MLS Championship at Yankee at, Stadium, at Yankee Stadium so on that pitch, like, uh <laughs> Plus, the Yankees are in the playoffs, so I already heard about the logistical nightmare because I think some of the MLB playoff games may potentially fall on MLS playoff nights. Oh yeah, and I think I think the other professional teams in New York all have things going on, like concerts and other games. Yeah, so. It's a it's a it's definitely a busy time in New York. It might have to happen where they have to play at Red Bull Arena potentially. Like that might be one of the solutions, which is mind boggling. Imagine like if LAFC didn't have they were playing at Dodger Stadium and because Dodgers are in Oh the, yeah, we had to go to Carson. Yeah. That's that is <laughs> crazy to me. Oh my gosh. That would be uh That's a sad situation. That yeah, that's I think that's even more incentive though for the people in Brooklyn to try and find a location for them yeah. to Build a stadium. Brooklyn, Queens, anywhere. I I know they were trying to get something in Manhattan, but I think the real estate, even for Abu Dhabi money, or that, yeah, no. Yeah. <laughs> it's too much. Well, it's too expensive. Or just getting the rights to Yeah, I think that that's what it is. I think it's the, you know, people in, from what I had heard, especially when we did that interview with... Um, uh, Blue City Radio? Blue City Radio, that they said that, you know, there's just people that just don't necessarily want to have a stadium built up. It was the same thing, like the issues with the bank. Yeah. People in that area around USC, they didn't want to have anything built up, you know? Mm-hmm. So it was... Well, that's changed. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that I think that now you look at it, and I think the people in the community of South Central are happy, yeah. you know? Yeah. Well, it's generated a new excitement, a new perception, and then on top of all that, jobs, and like yeah. a team that kind of reflects what that area is. You know, last thing I would say is, like, I hope that Colorado, because they need a result, kind of open themselves up and attack. Yeah. That is my hope because they have to go for... Yeah, they have to go for broke. They have to to try and be aggressive and try and put goals in because it's not like they can just be content with getting one and winning. Right. They need three. Right. So they are going to try and be aggressive. And when the, when other teams are aggressive against us, it gives us the opportunity to move the ball right. up the pitch. So that I hope that Vela can score. Knock on wood, he doesn't get hurt. And uh, we have, a you know, a week or so to recover. Two weeks, I think. But two weeks, yeah. We have yeah, a one-week bye. Right. And well, then that international, and then break. international Yeah, so yeah. I think the... The game is on the 6th, and then our first playoff game will be on the, on the 23rd, I thought. Oh, yeah. 23rd, 23rd or 24th. 24th. Yeah. 
That's crazy. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's a nice two-week break. It is, although I will have withdrawals. Oh, um, yeah. I mean, it will, we'll be plenty busy, bro. Trust me. I hope so. Yeah. So, Oh, and also, I mean, if anyone listening wants to go and check out uh, the full videos uh, in English and Spanish, they're on our Facebook page. I did. I was... Very. That was. I guess we didn't even talk about that. You know the interviews, the post game interviews. Yeah. Oh. I was. Big ups to you, dude. You did well. I. I was literally. It was me and uh, Lauren, the videographer for LAFC, were the only two like people asking questions in English. So I got to ask Carlos and Pablo and Bob like three questions each, and that was definitely very cool. And I was as close to them. I was closer to them than I am to you right now. You know, and it yeah, was I'm jealous. And it was definitely cool because then in the I ended up taking the flight home with the whole team. I just happened to be on that same flight. And, uh, you know, I saw Bob the next day and I saw Carlos the next day and they all saw me and they were, you know, Bob was talking to me. And it was definitely a very, very cool because it was such a intimate interview. Yeah. I feel like uh, I got the opportunity to kind of have a memorable moment with them to where they would recognize me again. As long as I see them in the next, you know, near yeah. future, right? Before they forget you. Before they, they forget me. Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But as long, it's one of those things where it's like, as long as they see me. Yeah, they recognize they you and recognize, acknowledged you. Right, exactly. That's and awesome. So. That That is, I'm sure, something that a lot of supporters would like to do. So you're a very lucky man. Yeah. yeah. And you the, put in the work, too. Well, I mean, <laughs> you know, you pay, you pay for everything, right? Yeah. I paid for my own flights and none of it was free, right? Sure. I had to pay for all of it, but I was, it was definitely money well spent. But yeah, and so the post game was cool. You know, it was definitely a first time doing it too, because I know that you had given me some tips from when you were in the press box for the open cup, uh, yeah. for the open cup, and but you, well, that was a home game, and you're sitting in there, uh, the the uh, post game uh, press, press box, conference, yeah. yeah, the press conference room yeah. in the field club. You know, so that's a little bit of a different atmosphere. Plus, you have to, you're you're having to try and jostle, yeah, jostle, jostle with other reporters, right. And getting their questions in and stuff like that. So it's a bigger market. So there are more reporters in both English and Spanish. Um, and then, you know, Vince is there, Dweezy's there. So they usually get some of the first questions just because they've been there from day one of course, and yeah. they create content for the team or the league. But yeah, no, it's, it was a different dynamic. Um, I think, you know, what you did is a little more nostalgic or, you know, more American in terms of press, like post game press conferences, where it's like a against like the locker room and you're yeah. like literally coming up to them. Like to me, that 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 is kind of cool having that experience. You know, I think that on away days, though, I'm gonna I'm gonna start trying to go to more away days and try and be part of press on away days, just because you know it, it's true. Especially, I mean, maybe not so much San Jose or or uh, the Galaxy, but you know, if you have to catch a a, a multiple hour flight. To get to the stadium, chances are you're not going to be having to uh, competition. Comp- yeah, yeah, a bunch of competition for people trying to get interviews in the post game. And for, to me, that all is what makes doing this podcast, you know, worth it. This that that is paying off dividends for the hard work that we've done. Is they having the opportunity to do stuff like that because it's amazing. Well, we you know we want to bring the supporters' perspective of the culture, but when the opportunity is there, we want to also give them insights of. You know, supporter asking questions that you want to potentially ask if you had the chance as a supporter. Yeah. Um, but I think you sounded very professional, and I think most supporters would probably ask similar questions. So I think you did a great job. Yeah, it was definitely fun. I I can't wait to do it again. Yeah, and I know it's a little Bob's a little intimidating. Oh, he, I said to him too in the airport. I was like, hey, you know, thanks for 
you know, being, taking my questions and giving me, you know, really, really good answers. I was like, it was my first time. And he goes, oh, he goes, oh, well, you know, you did, you did well. And I was like, yeah, you know, Vince, Vince had given me some advice. He goes, yeah, hey, Vince, he goes, yeah, hey, Vince is my guy, man. I like Vince. <laughs> well, I think Vince has had plenty of interaction to, to kind of figure out yeah, the best way to get great responses. It's not that he doesn't give them, but I think they're more insightful when you know how to, how to kind of, how the well, person ticks. Right. It's yeah. also the expectation that Bob's like, you know, you know what is and what isn't type right. of thing. Yeah. You you get my vernacular. You know what right. and how to ask. So please do so. Shout out to Vince. Yeah. But uh, no, I sent Vince the videos as soon as I as soon as I got him and he was like, "Dude, those are great. Those are great questions." So, it was good. I was I'm definitely, you know, I told my wife. I was like, "Best best trip that I've been on in a long time." You know, for, I mean, I like I said, and I'm I also went to the Notre Dame game and they won. You know, Notre Dame beat Virginia. First of all, before we forget, you said that you had an accident. Oh yeah, I. Uh, so on Sunday, I'm dressed in my clothes that I'm going to go to the stadium, and I'm wearing a, my my black button-up shirt, my khaki pants, and my boots, right? And I'm getting, and it's it's like drizzly, and so the the restaurant that I had lunch at was like two. Two and a half, three miles away from the brewery, Surly Brewery. So I was like, you know, I was like, oh, you know what? I'm gonna, because I'm only in Minneapolis for a day. I was like, so I'm gonna just take a a, a lime scooter, and I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna see what see what the city looks like. You know, it's only a two and a half mile drive, but it's not gonna be that bad. Well, I get like a mile and a half into it, and I start going on this con- this road that they're doing like construction. construction work on, and the road is like all bumpy and stuff, and it you know, like I said, it was drizzling and there was mud and it was slick and I, I just hit, I just hit a, a slick part of some mud really bad and then I ended up eating it and I landed on my shoulder, my right shoulder, which I'm right-handed, so that's been difficult the last yeah. three or four days or uh, two or three days, but I had mud from my chest all the way down my side and onto my pants, and I and like I was like, oh my gosh. So then I ended up catching an Uber. Going I went back. back to the hotel. <laughs> and then I took a shower because I had mud all on my forearms. Uh, I had to, I had mud on, on both toes of my boots. I had to clean the mud off of my boots. And luckily, I had brought two button-ups. Dude, good job. And, uh, and, and I had another pair of pants. So I put on my other button-up, and I put on my pair of pants. And I took a shower, and I changed. And then I ended up catching an Uber. Then to Surly, and uh, my shoulder has been killing me, dude. It's I, like I'm off work because I do construction work. Yeah, I'm off work, and I, you know, I'm uh, I'm hurting. But it's hopefully gonna get better. I had an X-ray done. There's nothing broken or dislocated. But what about tears? That's an MRI, dude. I don't know. I gotta wait. The do- the doctor I saw said to come back in on Monday if it's still giving me problems. You'll be there. <laughs> You're gonna be there on Monday. Uh, yeah, I don't know. But uh, anyways, yeah, dude. So I'm excited for this Sunday, Decision Day. Uh, if you guys are available, come to the bank. 1.30 game. It's definitely a game you don't want to miss, just like the game against yeah. Houston. There are big things that potentially could happen. Yep. And, you know, once in a lifetime. You know, yep. who knows the next time that LAFC is going to have a season like this where they're in position to break multiple records in one game. Right. So you're uh, going to want to make sure that you're there at the bank. And uh, if you're there... 
hit us up. I don't, I don't, I don't know if, I mean, I would assume there's probably going to be tailgating at Christmas tree lane, probably. but it's pretty early, but you know, we'll be around. So if yeah, you're there we're... and you want to, you know, interact, hit us up on Instagram at LAFCSOS, send us a, a message and we'll link up. We'll find you at a particular corner of the stadium that you're at or at Christmas tree lane before. We'll have pins. We still yeah. have our black blackout pins and we have uh, our traditional gold pins with uh, black writing. Just let us know, man. We always, I saw Vic, Shout out to Slick Vic, uh, who is lives in Nebraska. He uh, came to the Minnesota game, and he had hit me up on social media. Uh, I met up with him at halftime, and I gave him a pin, and we took a picture together. And I'll, I'll post that picture on uh, our Instagram page. But shout out to Vic. You know, he's an avid listener in uh, Nebraska. And, uh, you know, that's that's the kind of stuff that we like to hear. You know, when people reach out and want to meet up and say hi and stuff like that, that's that's a lot of fun. That really makes this all worthwhile. Yep. So. Well, uh, with that said, Jonathan, we missed you tonight, buddy. Yeah. Get better. Hopefully, better. yeah, yeah. Hopefully, he's ready to go on uh, Sunday, man. He needs that ninety minutes of a want day. Yeah, <laughs> no, I think, I think, I think he's gonna be in the ADA section just, just so he could be in form for the playoffs. Oh, there you, know what you I, go. That's what I want. I want him to ice it, to put some icy hot, and to be ready <laughs> to, to you know, put that mask on and go to work when he gets better. Yeah. Uh, so, but with that. Take us home, Sticks. Shoulder to shoulder. Together, this our culture. Feel the force of a supernova. Stay flying that FC Dorsum. Hey, shopping down to Nikki's Koreatown Liddy. Cape us old mommy, about to drop her fifth. They won't need to stop, but I ain't. Come to my house, I'll defend that bank.